Welcome back to the Jennifer Kayla Ruskin podcast. Today I'm so excited because I have my boyfriend, partner, main squeeze, Scott on with us today. <laughs> Scott, say hi. Uh, hello. <laughs> I appreciate that characterization. Right? We could probably insert a lot of other words. Some would be appropriate and some would probably not. <laughs> okay, so today we wanted to talk a little bit about training human disposability. And I'm sure right now you're like, what in the world does that mean? And today our focus is going to be on dating apps, maybe Tinder specifically, which is how we met, right? Uh, yes. Well, it depends on who you ask. Um, about a month ago, <laughs> Scott was like, if my mother ever asks, we met on the internet. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty broad, the internet. And he was like, well, Facebook specifically. <laughs> so if your mother ever listens to this podcast. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to try to explain Tinder. To <laughs> All right. So, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, they, Everyone listening, assuming you followed me for even half a second, you've seen lots of posts about Scott. You followed my journey from being married, opening our relationship, us getting on Tinder, me finding Scott within the first, I don't know, couple weeks of me dating to us getting more serious and then eventually me getting divorced and then Scott and I closing our relationship to where at this point it's just the two of us. So that brings you up to speed on my side. Scott, tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, as you as you already know, I started out as a, uh, a cognitive scientist in the Air Force uh, back in 2003. And I spent about 10 years doing that. And it was a kind of an outlet for me to not only explore a, an, a field, an, an academic field that was interesting to me, but also catered to my interest in how people work. Um, I got out of the military after about 10 years and then spent a few years uh, working at a credit card company, which was not a fulfilling or interesting experience for me. <laughs> and then a few years ago, I decided it would be fun to uh, use this GI Bill I had and uh, come back to school for a mechanical engineering degree. So that's how I wound up here in the same town as you. Um, but probably more relevant to your podcast, I've spent most of my adult life alone. I've had a few relatively short relationships, but I've always been pretty comfortable alone. And while I was going to school here, I decided that I would make that my, my main priority, which meant that I couldn't really prioritize a relationship and so I hadn't <laughs> side Sorry. note we have two dogs um Scott has an English bulldog and I have a long-haired uh dachshund and they have just recently found Timmy the dachshund's food cup and so if you hear rustling and grunting they are playing with food cup and very excited so, about it so right Honey now Honey Bowl has co-opted that for himself 
Um, but I, I, I recognized after a few years here uh, that I couldn't both prioritize school and a relationship. So it made me uh, realize that I needed to, I was probably going to have to be content with mm. just having a sort of casual relationship with somebody. And does this bring you to Tinder? Yeah, kind of. It's it's funny because a lot of people on Tinder will say, oh, I'm not here for a hookup. Or a very common question people ask is, well, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know how well most people really think that through what they're looking for on uh, a dating app like Tinder. You could throw others in there like Plenty of Fish or OkCupid or Bumble or, or whatever. The whole array of them that have essentially refashioned themselves into Tinder clones mm -hmm. over the years. So if somebody were to ask me what I was looking for on Tinder, I would usually, if I thought about it, I would say, well, Occasionally, I, I get kind of starved for somebody to communicate with. I'm never really, I've never really been starving for a relationship, but I do get starved for meaningful communication. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, you know, if, uh, if some sort of exciting or interesting romantic fling comes of that, uh, I, I think my mindset was, so be it. Interesting. As, as he's explaining his reasoning for getting on Tinder, his dating profile actually does very much align with that. So I'm going to dig it up and read it. Oh, Not right this second. Okay. You keep going. Okay. Right. So your your reasoning for being on Tinder was you just wanted to talk to another human and have maybe some deep conversation. My reasoning for being on Tinder was to explore. Like I had been in two long-term relationships, almost a decade each with two men. And so my experience was very lacking. And I was curious about sex and maybe other men and like what a relationship maybe could be. And maybe I didn't really want a relationship. I just didn't really know. And maybe I'll read mine too, just to equally embarrass both of us. But um, interesting that that's where you were coming from. I don't think we've ever talked about that before. I mean, I'm not, I've never really been very, very driven by sex itself. It's just not, it, it's not something that I like get into my head. All right, I want to go out and try to get, get laid tonight. Which I would say is probably not predominantly what's happening out there, right? What, what do you, I think, I think most men in general are very conquesting oh, and yeah. usually it's just for sex. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think maybe that's, I think maybe that's changed over time. Maybe, because uh, I think a, a, something that, at least in my experience, I saw a lot when reading women's profiles on Tinder, or if I spoke with women, something that was very common was uh, a lot of guys that express interest in getting together for a hookup then at the last minute come up with some excuse to why they can't actually show up or they ghost or something and they don't actually fall 
even when even when it's available for them, even when women make it very available, make easy uh, casual sex very available for them, mm-hmm. a lot of guys won't won't actually want to meet up and won't follow through. Mm. And I think I think that you know actually going and having sex with somebody or having an encounter with somebody a it requires effort Mm -hmm. it requires you know it requires you to actually get up it requires you to use some time it requires you to if you have any dignity whatsoever to make yourself a little bit presentable maybe and then it raises the anxiety the performance anxiety in your mind like well can i am i actually capable of if i if i care about satisfying this woman in any way am i actually capable of it um and so i think that you know this is this is just from my observations i i think that for a lot of guys as 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 online communication and low effort communication has become more and more possible and, and more ubiquitous, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the drive for a lot of a lot of men, especially men who couldn't easily just go out and pick up pick up a woman who aren't like the maybe the the lower. 80% of guys on the attractiveness scale. Um, I think that the drive has shifted from actually having sex to, uh, to reveling in the momentary feeling of being sexually desired by somebody else. In other words, they're more driven by you expressing a desire to have sex with them than they are actually following through and having sex. Mm. Interesting observations. And maybe I'd like to hear a little bit more about why you see where you've seen that and why you feel that way. I think for both men and women, as we're on different dating, well, number one, different dating apps are used for different things. So some people that are listening to this podcast um, may not know. Um, I've ran into quite a few couples that have been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years even Mm-hmm. And you've never been on a dating app because you met in high school or you met in your in college, and that wasn't even they weren't around when we were that young, right? So, my friends Tony and Christina and Scott and I we just had breakfast this morning, and we had a, a lively discussion about different dating apps. And so we, the four of us, have come to a decision that unless you're on something algorithmically based that is paid for like a match.com generally the feeling is is that the intention for being on those dating apps is for a hookup would you say that that's true uh sure but i wouldn't even rule match.com out of that okay i think there's a bigger question though of why in the spectrum of meeting people we go from match to tinder Mm -hmm. And we don't really include in there anymore. We don't. We don't think of the the predominant or the default method of meeting people as go out and run into people in the real world. 
Mm-hmm. It's well, which which sort of dating app do I want to use? Right. To meet people. Because what's my intention? Well, it's not just what's your intention, but how else do you meet people? Right. Why why did you look at why did you look at you could, because you in the past, if I remember correctly, you used Match. Was I did. It, was that how you met Derek? Yeah. Your your ex husband. Mm-hmm. So and now you've you've moved to Tinder. Oh, for very specific reasons. Sure, I I get that, but I mean, when I I think that by default we don't assume that the standard method of meeting people anymore is going to a bar, I, going to church. Right, going to a bar, going to church. I mean, and I think I think going to a bar is is. Probably it's a like terrible it, way to meet somebody. Well, it's a terrible way to to meet somebody you want to form a connection with. It's it's Tinder before there was Tinder. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's not like oh well, come somehow just I guess by luck come across in the real world somebody that you uh, share a lot of interests with and want to invest in getting to know. Right. So we automatically assume, well, which 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 sort of dating app do I need to use right. to meet people? Right. And it makes, and then it kind of raises the question: Well, how did people meet each other? How did people become involved with each other before there were dating apps? Mm-hmm. And we're kind of old enough to mm-hmm. remember that, but at the same time, I don't remember. I don't really remember how. I don't. Aside from if I'm in in class with somebody uh-huh. or I work with somebody and yeah. they're just part of my daily routine by default, I have I have no idea how I would go out and meet people, like meet a new person. Well, when I was I was um, in a very long relationship that led to a pretty long marriage, my first marriage, during the time that you were in your twenties and dating then. But I do remember, right. so I had I grew up with a single mom <clears throat> and and way before dating apps. And so for her it was I'd go she'd go to the church and the church would have a singles group. But you had to make sure you were going to a church big enough to have a singles group yeah. and to have a good pool of fish in your singles group. Or you were gonna end up with like the eighty year old guy that was, <laughs> you know, like widowed. <laughs> because you're the only person at church under six yeah. I mean, I think some other ways to meet up people, to meet with people these days are meetup groups. So meetup.com yeah. was really big. Um, you know, these days it's, there's so many Facebook groups. If it, you're into it was, hiking. It was really or, big briefly. Yeah. Uh, before Tinder was a thing. Before Tinder was a thing. Okay. So we talked about match.com and how match is one of the algorithmically based, very, very algorithmically based, and like long forms that you have to fill out to even get into the program. You have to really talk a lot about yourself. You have to make an effort. You have to make an effort, and you have to actually pay for the program, right? Um, And so Scott's saying, you know, hey, the first time that you were on a dating app, Jen, you went to match. Well, yeah, because my intention was to find a husband. Like Mm -hmm. I had just ended my first marriage. I was very clear on the kind of man that I wanted. I knew I wanted, (laughs) this was ridiculous. And I've talked about this, I think, in some other podcasts or blogs that I've written. But you can get so granular with match that you say, I want, let's say for me, I want a man. So I want a man who is this particular age range and maybe in these particular um, studies that has this exact kind of degree um, or higher that makes this much money. 
And that for me was really important coming out of my first marriage where we were matched very well in terms of education and financially what we were making each year. But I I wanted to make sure I didn't end up with someone that wasn't at least sort of like that. Mm -hmm. And so I used that criteria going into um, match and then very quickly met Derek, like within eight weeks, I think I met him. Um, within the first handful of dates, I met him and then ended up marrying him a few months after that. This la- the latest time, um, I didn't, I didn't want another husband. Um, I was looking for variety and definitely wanting to try different kinds of sex. And so Tinder for me was a really easy platform. So I'm curious for you, Scott, um, why did you choose Tinder versus say match or something else? Hmm. Yeah, probably convenience because, well, like you pointed out, uh, with match, you have to pay and I didn't, I'm, I'm extremely content on my own. I was very content with my routine as it was. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't really looking for the sort of person who gets on match because the person who gets on match is, is looking for, uh, presumably a serious involved relationship, which is exactly what I didn't have the time or the focus for. Um, and then, like I said, pretty much all of the other, uh, dating apps at this point have regressed to the same mechanic as Tinder, except they nickel and dime you in different ways and throw a lot of, uh, contrivances and inconveniences in the way. Whereas Tinder is pretty straightforward. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't really care about anything except do you meet the, do you roughly meet the, the gender age and distance requirement for whatever criteria the person has put in. And then a lot of times I find it ignores those because it would give like, I would set my age range to, you know, 30 to 45 Mm -hmm. and I would still regularly get, uh, suggestions that were, you know, girls in their early twenties. They're like, you've, you've already uh, left swipe so much, Scott, there's no girls left. (laughs) So we're going to have to go into a different pool. I want to talk really quick just because I'm the newest to this platform about some things that I found really interesting because Mm -hmm. Scott, you've probably been on dating apps for so much longer than me that you don't notice this kind of stuff, but. Well, and not just dating apps, but, uh, growing up from, from the mid nineties, starting out in, in chat rooms like Yahoo chat Mm -hmm. or, or AIM and, uh, instant messenger. And then, you know, okay. Cupid being a new thing back around, I think 2005 Mm -hmm. or 2006, uh, before that talking with people on, uh, proto social media, like MySpace or live journal. And so that's, that's, that's where I'm coming from. I'm not coming from two, uh, 10 year marriages or two long involved relationships. I'm coming from pretty much always being alone and see, and in my view of, of interactions was, was people online, how people online 
uh, and, and ultimately on dating apps, uh, engage with each other. Which is going to come in great when we launch ourselves into the human disposability and, okay. and that these apps train us to do that. One thing that I just wanted to mention is you've been talking about how Tinder just kind of throws random people into your face for you to swipe left or right into. Yeah. I did notice and pick up on the fact that the algorithm is pretty sensitive and that it notices the types of people that you like to swipe right to. So for example, when I first started um, on the app, I was getting a, a ginormous plethora of humans that looked like all over the place, you know, of different races, of different, um, I did have different genders in mind only because I opened it up to women as well. Um, I also was seeing facial hair, no facial hair, glasses, no glasses, long hair, man buns, short hair, like it was giving me everything at the beginning. And so if you're new to a dating app, know that you kind of start fresh and then you train the algorithm based on your preferences of how you're swiping or interacting. I think, I think you might be giving that algorithm too much credit. Well, I want to explain why. Okay. So the more that I swiped right on what, so let me start with, I didn't even really realize what I was attracted to until I started to notice the algorithm picking up on men with facial hair. So I would swipe right on a man with facial hair, have a long conversation, maybe for numerous days, maybe we even met up, maybe we got off the app, but I kept them in my saves. And then I'd notice that the algorithm would serve me more men with facial hair until I got to this point where every man that I was looking at had facial hair and I was swiping right on the one. And I was like, Oh my God, I like men with facial hair. I've never been with a guy with a beard. I freaking really dig it. And then I realized as I was seeing men without facial hair, I'd swipe left. I just wasn't into it anymore. And so it's fascinating to take a step back and kind of look at the the algorithm behind what's driving and also what our own human deep desires and like what our, what we're interested in that we may not even know from like a cognitive level that it's this deep kind of like, Ooh, I'm really into this kind of particular look, which by the way, Scott has facial hair. Yeah. That I do. Um, I don't think that, I mean, I don't, I haven't looked at, the algorithm they're using, I don't think that algorithm notices facial hair and serves you people because they have facial hair. And I don't think it notices what features you like. I think what it, what it does pay attention to is, uh, how many people like, what is, what is the percentage of people that will swipe right on this person? Mm -hmm. And it categorizes people like that, like basically ones through tens. And if it figures out based on right swipes that you're a, a seven, well, it's probably going to give you sixes, sevens, and eights. That's what it's going to show wow. to you. And if you're somebody who doesn't get many people swiping on you, it's probably going to give you, you know, uh, people of lower attractive, lower perceived attractiveness. Guys with beards may be, you know, more desirable that like may they, maybe that's a trend right now the viking fad yeah right and so it says oh okay well you're 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 attractive enough that we can show you sixes <laughs> through eights so it just happens that a lot of the six through eight guys also have beards 
Wow. I can't believe that we're deduced to like a rating scale old school number, right? Where like she's a 10 or she's a one or depending on how many drinks you've had, she might be a three or a four. Well, you most certainly are reduced to numbers by every sort of social media and online app that you use, every marketing tool. You're a, you're a number to them. And uh, Tinder uses a pretty rudimentary number system for that. Okay, well, let's talk more about this human disposability. So I know, let me start out this conversation here with saying on our very first date, this came up our very first interaction together, mm -hmm. you went on this long spiel about how, <laughs> how Tinder is terrible and we're deduced to swiping left on people and uh, it's ruining society. And so I thought this would be an interesting conversation to have. But I know I personally f felt bad numerous times using the app and that I just was disposing of people by swiping yeah. left on them. And, and sometimes I'd stop and think like, this is a real human. This is a real man. This mm. is a real woman or whatever, you know, whatever you're swiping left on. And sometimes you, you forget that. And then you're also training yourself to swipe right on this like instant gratification. They look really pretty. I'm not even reading bios. Yeah. It's all deduced to you looking at a human's face and just off of that one picture making a decision of whether or not you want to move further with having an interaction with them. Right. Maybe if they're attractive enough to, to merit more than a tenth of a second mm. uh, look, then you'll decide, okay, maybe, it, maybe it's worth going to the effort of tapping my finger to the phone so it shows me their profile, mm -hmm. uh, or at least their little paragraph they've written about themselves. Yeah. Um, but good grief who has who really has time to to read profiles we're we're first and foremost going off of what is what does that first picture look like that's been put up and is it does this person have features that immediately appeal to us and if not uh, swipe and forget mm -hmm. or maybe you you try to you, you know you you get a few matches on there and any of those matches present the slightest bit of of inconvenience or aren't immediately uh uh witty or say something that that immediately strikes you as as interesting and so then you can unmatch and then you've got you know go back to swiping Mm -hmm. Go back to swiping through mm -hmm. all these faces. So how does the action of swiping left on a split second decision based off of one picture without even reading any of the bio, how does that train us in human disposability? Why suffer the inconvenience of, of engaging with somebody who requires any sort of effort when there are so many more options that are just a swipe away probably you, you think well probably better options i mean there's probably if i swipe a, a little longer i'll probably find somebody that's more attractive than this person and to really i i think the downside is that either either the people you're dealing with are people who every everything there is to know about them is just right there on the surface and that's the kind of person you're drawn to, or 
the their people who their most attractive features take a while to find and this system is not designed to favor those people in fact it's designed to reject those people those people wind up uh, will typically would wind up as a as a left swipe because everything that's worthwhile about them isn't isn't right there in that first profile picture and, and then and then you find yourself you know maybe by chance you meet somebody who at, in in, a, in another venue through some other means you encounter somebody in life who doesn't really catch your eye at first but after you get to know them for whatever reason uh, just random encounters you find them really interesting you find them to be a decent person and you think why have i never met someone like this why how are you still single why are why aren't more people like you mm -hmm. and now maybe the answer to that or at least a part of the answer to that is well every mechanism that most people use right now the most common mechanisms for meeting people are biased to rule those people out so then is the disposability inevitable yeah i think so i think that people in general are uh, are disposed to whatever the most convenient and least effort method is for for getting what they want and uh it's a it's a lot easier to to scratch the itch like if, if you if you I, I think that everybody even if they don't recognize it most humans desire some sort of uh some sort of connection and intimacy and the and the comfort that comes from that but it's it's really easy it's always been really easy to mistake sex just sex for the satisfaction of that of that deeper desire and so like sex is is just kind of scratching an itch but it's but it's not really it's not really a long-term satisfying solution so tinder gives people a way to just keep scratching that that itch and and putting off not only putting off uh, making connection with another person, but also putting off the need to face and understand themselves. Okay. All right. Well, this is getting pretty depressing. But my thought is, okay, so we know the negatives to Tinder. We know how it can, it can not be helpful. How can you use Tinder as a tool to find what you want? In the car ride over here after breakfast, I asked you, what would you feel for Scott? What is what does success look like on Tinder? And you said I'm going to answer it live on the podcast. So would now be a good time, oh. yeah, to well, tell me like I know what success looked like for me, and I'm curious what success is or was or could look like for you. I think it gets a lot more depressing first of all, but success for me on Tinder was would just be finding somebody that's that I can have an, an engaging communi communication with, have, mm -hmm. a, have, a, have an interesting conversation with, and maybe, uh, because I, I'm only interested in finding what is, uh, what is real about people. I'd, and I think more people are, 
I think more people are becoming vocal about that. They don't like small talk. People get exhausted by small talk and meaningless communication. And if you ask people, they will acknowledge that they are, they are starved for substantial communication, but they don't even, a lot of times they don't even recognize that, that that's what it is unless you bring it up to them. Mm. Um, but yeah, success for me would, would have just been finding an interesting conversation. And because, because that's the kind of thing that, that shows you something real about somebody else. Now, at the same time, a lot of people will say that's what they're they're looking for and maybe they really are looking for that like they have a deeper inherent desire for that but they're also afraid of that they're afraid of engaging with another person on a real and deep level and being exposed to that person's mm -hmm. real feelings and real thoughts and likewise They've probably avoided finding those things about themselves. They've avoided uh, deep, self, deep and honest self-assessment. They don't know, or they don't. They don't really. They're not comfortable uh, sharing something real and deep about themselves. So they default to um, shallow or superficial, witty banter and uh, and trivialities. I like to think that I am. Um, or I try, I make an effort to be completely honest with myself about who I am. And likewise, I try to only engage with, with people who are, who are able to, to present something real about themselves. But that's kind of a long, a long winded way of answering your question about what was, what's success like on Tinder or any sort of venue for meeting people for me. So have you found Tinder to be successful for you in that way that you found humans to have witty, deep conversations with? Well, I like to think we've had some pretty uh, deep and meaningful communication. Yeah. Interesting. Inter okay. Well, um, interesting. So for me, I would have not said any of that, that that would mean success for me on the platform. I mean, success for me was finding humans to be experimental with. So, and I, I would say I definitely was able to find that. Mm -hmm. So as you've been talking, I've been thinking about how can we be helpful to the listener and giving them some tips of like how to make the most out of a dating platform. And I would say, and I think I can take what Scott has told us and wrap that together to say, know what you really want, step one. So for Scott, it was, I really just want to have deep conversations with other people. And for me, it was, I just really want to play. And then the second thing I would say is state it in your profile. Now, interestingly, Scott, I did read your entire profile on Tinder before I swiped right. Yeah. And your um bio was not the thing that grabbed me i mean i probably read it and was like this guy sounds like he may be interesting but he's really handsome and he looks like a viking and oh he has a cute bulldog oh and there might be a bunny and oh he has really nice arms and he looks silly and fun and so that made me swipe right for you but I already promised the listeners that we would read your bio so i'm going to read it because it does actually stack up with exactly what you said you wanted mm. So Scott's Tinder profile, 
says, I like to listen more than I like to talk usually, but could talk way too much about a handful of topics. I like to gather information, like to explore the unfamiliar, like to travel, like to be lazy at home or wander around the city like individuals, but don't so much like crowds, which does really sum up who you are. Yeah. If you were to rewrite your bio for whatever reason, would you keep it the same or would you change it? I'd probably leave it like that. Um, but on that note, I, I think that to your comment about you need to know what you want when you get on Tinder, I think that precursor to that is you need to know who you are and you need to know what makes you worthwhile for somebody else mm -hmm. or at least what makes you worthwhile for yourself you have to and you have to be able to to look at that honestly before you can um give somebody else the opportunity to know you if that's if that's what you actually want or maybe you're afraid of knowing yourself and you don't want to bother with the hassle of truly knowing anybody else and all you want is just to keep scratching an itch that you don't really understand and what if that that's the bucket you're in well then tinder is great for that too okay so step one was know what you really want and scott's saying and also know who you are that helps you understand what you really want two would be stated in your profile so i just read scott's here's mine um, ethical and consensual, non-monog, married babe, looking for fun and exploration. I love the life I've created and can't wait to dive in even more as I open up to discover more. That was redundant. My sexual goals, I literally stated them in my bio. Experience new things, discover what I actually like, be a student and learn. So I'm looking for experienced human or humans to play teacher open to fun, serious, short-term, long-term, whatever. And then I have a PS, if we match and you DM me, I'll actually message you back just because I heard from a lot of men <laughs> that that is where the ghosting happens. And so I thought it would be fun to kind of say that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to actually respond to you. So I'm curious, uh, Scott, when you read my bio, what made you swipe right on me? Or did you, was it just my face? I mean, there's a lot to read between the lines there. <laughs> um, so for one, you're articulate, you're using real words. You're not using some sort of incoherent uh, shorthand. You're, you're stating clearly what you want the reader to, to know about you mm -hmm. and a, there's a there's a an honesty and a sincerity in that, and B, you you've made an effort to state a lot of key things about yourself, or at least things that are key to uh, your engagement with Tinder. Also, there's a lot to read in a person's eyes and expression, and I read just a, a tremendous amount of. Uh, positive energy in your expression, enthusiasm. Like you look like somebody who really wants to share your joy with somebody else, or at least experience that with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I found that, I found that incredibly appealing and, <laughs> but also you radiate this, uh, 
this sexual energy and this sexual magnetism and it's not it's not like a a vain sort of uh sexual energy it just looks like you're an incredibly warm and sensual and affectionate person who's also adventurous and so i thought that looked you know that looked really really appealing it looked like you're somebody who knows who you are and knows what you want and also you want to share and express that uh sexually and uh so that that really piqued my interest and just for the record i swiped right on you before you swiped right on me and i think i messaged you and said something like super digging your viking look super sexy i think i expressed to you pretty early on why I found your profile attractive. Yeah, and so that's actually my third tip, which is use imagery that shows what you desire. So one thing about Tinder is is you're right. There's a lot of right or left swiping based on the very first image. And so my thought when I first joined was, what if there was a little bit of mystery to it? But I didn't like take a selfie in my car. I used a professional image that I had used already for work. But like mm -hmm. half my face is hidden, right? Yeah. And you have to kind of keep swiping to then tell the story. Like, oh, like, okay, here's what her face actually looks like. And then, oh, she is married. There's a picture of her partner. So what's interesting too about Scott's profile is it was an adorable picture of him. It, again, that one that you, I think your mom took it, but it looks very professional. That Viking one of you with the like in Alaska. Oh, oh yeah. Such a beautiful picture. And for me, that's really what caught my eye. And then as I started scrolling through his profile pics, I'm like, oh, he has a sense of humor. He's giggling in one. I think his dog's like <laughs> laying on his face in another one. He's got a bunny on his shoulder. He looks playful. He looks, he looks like an interesting guy. And what you'll find online is there's a lot of like shells of humans that are real humans. They're not just bots. I think there's also probably bots on there. But you'll find that people are not very interesting. People have, yeah. you know, ha like they, they, they live to work. So all they know is work. They don't have hobbies. There's not much depth to them. And so you want to make your profile interesting from a content perspective, written and, and, and visual. It's just like for my work, when we're writing uh, item descriptions and we're creating pages on Amazon, we want it to look beautiful and look aesthetic and tell the story because we're not standing in front of each other in a bar. We haven't met at church in the group of the single people, right? You have to do something that catches the other person's eye, but also where you can show up authentically as you. I would say if you put our profiles together, like just side by side, there's some things in both of them that are very true. One is neither of us lied about who we are. Mm -hmm. Two, we showed up very, very authentically in, in the content that we wrote and in our pictures. Like it shows who we are. And I think that those are two really important things in magnetizing the kind of human that you want to have in your life. Don't go into this dating app and lie. My ex-husband, his dating profile said, we all know why we're here. And he had a few pictures of himself. And you know what? He got exactly what he wanted because that was the messaging that he put forth. Well, I think there are a lot of factors in that. I mean, like you are saying, and which I noticed, 
is that you're actually putting effort into how you're presenting yourself. You arranged your photos there so that they uh, kind of have a, a similar vibe or a similar theme. Mm. And, um, you know, there are far more people who don't really put any thought into it. You know, they, they find what they think is you know, the hottest couple of photos they've got of themselves. Oh, or all the and filters they, that they use. Yeah. That's oh, so God. weird. And, you know, and there, there are a lot of people who can even just display outright how little effort they need to, to put in and still receive tons of, of positive attention and affirmation, hollow positive attention and affirmation from people on an app like this. I think I, I think I pointed out to you that something like 10 or 15% of, of men on there get 80% of the, uh, of the women on, mm -hmm. on Tinder and, uh, apps like that. So there are a lot of people who really can just say, Hey, we know what we're here for. Uh, I don't, I don't really care or even need to make more of an effort than that and i'm gonna get lots of matches and mm -hmm. have a lot of success sexually on here but then there are people who are maybe a little a little older or a little more mature or have are looking for something a little more substantial and maybe they find that on on tinder mm -hmm. like i think we found that on tinder and i'm that's very fortunate but we also, I, I think, I think the, maybe, maybe this is getting, you know, getting into a, a different subject or line of thought than where you want to go with this podcast. No, go ahead. But I, I think that there are a lot of, a lot of younger people who their only experience uh, with meeting other people is on something like Tinder. Mm -hmm. Um and like this is this is I think was the meat of the conversation the first time we met was how like people like you and I uh, people who are a little older uh, grew up in a world where the way we developed socially and the, our our social sphere of influence was people that we actually encountered day day to day mm -hmm. the you know, a few dozen people we knew from school and people, friends we had in town or maybe played some sport with or uh, direct family members. And now as, as the internet and social media have become ubiquitous, uh, younger people grow up in a world where their, their primary social sphere is a bunch of online profiles and instead of instead of dealing with the the weight and the substance of the words they exchange having an impact on a real person that's a tangible impact on somebody that's there in front of their face they're all exchanged online where there's really no weight or or seeming consequence to it and they don't have to look at the other person's face to see how their words are impacting them and 
instead of seeking affirmation or feeling rejection from a few people that they have tangible interactions with, they're seeking that affirmation and feeling rejection from hundreds or thousands of, of hollow profiles online. Uh, people that aren't real people to them, people that are just a name or a, a profile picture. And then couple with that, their familiarity when it comes to looking for somebody to date is, is tender. And so that, that growing up with, uh, in, in this, this hollow consequence, free social media, uh, sphere carries over into now how they're approaching dating or forming relationships. And of course, the people on, on Tinder are, are, are just as, I think, become just as disposable to them and, and hollow as, as the people that they're interacting with on Facebook or Instagram, who's effortlessly, you know, hitting a like button. And my thoughts are, are going in a lot of directions right now on this, but I think ultimately that what this does is it, again, it trains people it trains people like us who have uh, years of experience perspective. It trains us to take this low effort disposability approach to other people. And I guess what, what concerns me or what gives me a pessimistic outlook is that it's doing the same thing for young people, except those young people don't have uh, the experience of, of growing up in a non-tender world to temper that, to give them that sense of empathy. You've got that sense of empathy that's nagging at you in the back of your mind whenever you swipe left on somebody. Mm. And I think that sense of empathy comes from growing up in a world where you actually did, where, where people were tangible and real and had to matter to you. And I think that that's being diminished greatly for younger people who, uh, are growing up in a, in a, in a social media world, uh, right from the start. So how do we fix it? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. Or is it just that? Is it the demise of an entire society, all the societies, the whole uh, world? Well, I, I, demise is a, is a, or nobody or is I, I here on demise. out. No one's going to meet up and like make babies and nobody's going to see I each other. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the demise. I think it's just a dramatic change. It's a, it's a dramatic change in the way that, that people learn to interact with each other, to, to form their interpersonal relationships. And I think it, I think it will have a very dehumanizing effect. Um, I think that for a lot of people, uh, social media and Tinder are incredibly alienating experiences because they're not part of the, the 10 or the 15% who get, you know, all the likes or they see somebody else who is a, is a little more attractive and can get, can seemingly effortlessly gain mountains of 
positive affirmation and regard from others while they feel like they're they 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 don't know what to do they they feel like they'll they'll go to great lengths to to bear their soul or contrive to make themselves seem more interesting or or talented or something to try and and uh and get that sort of regard but the regard they're seeking is largely superficial and so they they fail at it and then they feel alienated and isolated and then there's less empathy out there in general for them for anybody so i guess my my pessimistic outlook is that just on the whole uh people are going to become less and less sincere and less and less genuinely empathetic toward each other and i don't i don't know that that's something to be solved because it's a it's a consequence of a uh, people in general tending toward whatever is like i said the most convenient and least effort avenue to get what they want and b having a tool that virtually eliminates the the effort required um so i i don't have a very optimistic outlook of of where that goes and i'm sorry to, <laughs> I don't. so you're telling me as a mom of two boys who are entering into dating phases in the next five years mm -hmm. that there is nothing i can do as a parent or as a human to help my children not be robots swiping left on tinder because they're they're just it's inevitable that they're going to have no interpersonal human no, connective skills. No, that's not inevitable because you are you are a uh, a parent who does actually care about your children and also has an above average level of emotional IQ. And so you you can have the the wherewithal to challenge your kids to to think about the nature of their interactions with others and think about humanizing other people and you can encourage them to get out and actually engage with other people but i i think that you're going people like you will more and more become the minority because this uh the the evolutionary direction of uh of the nature of people and combined with a tool like this is to kind of uh kind of suppress that or or weed that out but i hope i hope otherwise i mean i care about your kids and i think that they're they're very uh when it comes down to it they're they're warm and decent people and i hope that that is encouraged and i hope that more parents will have the wherewithal to encourage those traits in their children and, and encourage them to to look beyond the uh the superficial or what seems like the most convenient approach for engaging with others all right well scott that was a really intellectually stimulating conversation about how we have been, how we are basically training ourselves into human disposability 
And I guess my hope for our listeners is that you don't just become a robot and left swipe on everybody, but that you've actually gotten some value out of this conversation. Maybe if you are thinking about hopping into dating apps and creating your profile, you've gotten some kind of value out of this that you can maybe do one of the three things that we came up with, which is, you know, know who you are slash know what you really want. And two, state it in your profile. And then three, use some imagery that shows what you desire. But then also keeping in mind everything that Scott's been talking about, about, you know, that this is an algorithmically run run program, that there are lots of people in here that just want one thing, um, that there's a lot of humans that don't even really know who they are. And so they're leading with this approach of, I just want to get laid. You know, so I think you have to take all of that into consideration as you're on these dating apps. Yeah, well, I guess we can leave it with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scott, for being on the podcast. Oh, you're, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye.